Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey everybody and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resource Podcast. I'm Brenda and super excited to have you guys here on the show. If you guys have never joined me before, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I'm very excited to have you guys here. We got another really great show lined up for you. Some tough topics that we're going to be talking about. Um, We've got all sorts of good stuff. And if you guys are returning, you know, y'all are awesome. Over the last week, I have gotten more feedback from podcast listeners than I have throughout the entire first year doing this. So you guys are just, you're wonderful. And really, thank you so much. Uh, Everything that you guys are, are telling me, it's 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 fantastic because it's my goal to provide you guys what you're sharing back with me. So thank you so much. Um, really, it, it's it's a real humbling humbling experience to have that happen, and to know that you know what it is that I'm attempting to do is is really helping you guys out, and that's really the whole goal of what the show is. So um, very very excited to have you guys here. So I'm here to help you guys share with you the what and how in human resources. Um, I'm in the human business, and that means that really there's a a really greater number of dynamics in the workplace that require that delicate balance and the ability to manage through it. Um, But most importantly today, we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite, and there's a lot of them, you guessed it, poster updates. Um, we got some employment law changes across the nation. We're going to be talking about reinforcing trust after a critical workplace event. That is a huge effort. Um, it's certainly not a one-person effort, and we're going to really kind of talk through some things on that. we got the HR question of the day, and I'm going to share with you how you can get best practices delivered right to your inbox. Now, before we go on, folks, I just want to make sure that we throw out there that the information that is available in this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your employment attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have one, if you don't have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me, and I might be able to refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, the moment you've been waiting for, and literally, this is like two pages, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's a lot of them out there, so... Um, this is the day that we've been anticipating, um, and that is the big announcement on the mass amount of poster updates. So, <clears throat> here we go. Um, I'm going to figure out how to break this down. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start by state, and then certain states have supplements and municipalities. So, I'm going to start off with the states as an overall. So, if you are in the state of Alaska... California, Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington State, Missouri, Arizona, 
Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont, you all have poster updates. That's Alaska, California, Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont. Poster updates. Now, let's dig down just a little bit deeper. In California, there are supplements for Belmont, Cupertino, Daly City, El Cerrito, Los Altos, Mountain View, Nevado, Oakland, Palo Alto, Petaluma, Redwood, Richmond, San Diego, and San Francisco, including San Jose, I thought it was done, sorry, San Jose, San Mateo, Santa Clara, Sonoma, and Sun Valley. Over in Minnesota, there's supplements for St. Paul. Over in Washington State, there are supplements for SeaTac and Seattle. So there's a lot. <laughs> and if you know, if you guys don't know where to go get them, first off, you got to know that it, you need both the federal and the state up on the wall. And if there's any other separate supplemental, like I called out some of these today, those need to be up there too. In addition to that, if you're a federal contractor, you also have to get the federal contracting poster up as well. So that means that is a lot of poster up on one wall. And um, if you don't know exactly where you guys are going to put it, um, you're going to want to give some time to that. So if you guys need to get poster updates, and if you're getting those weird kind of threatening letters and emails, ditch them. Like, get rid of that stuff, all right? We're going to send you over to our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center. Um, you can find them over at the bestpractices.org website by clicking on the Affiliates tab, scroll down, and if you type in Posters 2020, you'll get 25% off on your order. So go check them out. They're great people over there. They're the ones that help keep me updated so I can help keep you updated. Um, okay, so enough of that. Employment laws across the country. We don't have very much. We've kind of been ramping up to a lot of changes and announced quite a few of them. Uh, but we do have some new developments. Um, we may have talked about this in the past, uh, but the federal court has actually blocked California's ban on mandatory arbitration agreements. I remember we talked about this several months ago, that those were coming down the pike, uh, but those are now suspended uh, via a federal court. So... Um, if you guys are out in California, then you're definitely going to want to you know, spend some time looking into that, figuring out what it is you need to do or not to do. Um, over in Iowa, which is a state we really don't talk about very much, um, Iowa does have some drug testing statutes which provides exclusive remedies for specific violations, including separate wrongful discharge claim is now barred. So if you're in Iowa, definitely get into that information. Over in New York... Uh, the governor has ordered the elimination of the tip credit for employers subject to the minimum wage order for miscellaneous industries and occupations. And over here in Virginia, we do have new restrictions on non-disclosure confidentiality agreements that actually affect the workplace. So it's pretty light in the, in the national news this week. That, believe it or not, is all we've got. But we do have a place where you can actually dig deeper and read up on these very same things that I talk about 
And I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later in the episode. All right, today we're going to be talking about reinforcing trust after a critical workplace event. Now, critical workplace events include what an employee views or employees view as more than likely some form of major betrayal. That's that's typically what would lead to a, a critical workplace event to where employees are losing trust in the organization, they're losing trust in a leader, they're losing trust in a department, uh, an individual, and it all centers around this concept of betrayal, whether it's realized or it's perceived. And it really is that lack of trust makes the workplace feel toxic and erodes the effectiveness of what needs to happen. Okay, It certainly creates an atmosphere of bitterness, fear, disappointment, resentment, a lack of confidence in the overall environment, and, and then it runs right on up into the leadership. So what is your focus when the workplace enters into this stage? It typically, you know it when you feel it. When you're there, you feel the pressure of it. You know, it's palpable. And it all kind of depends on what your role is, but it's certainly something that everybody can see. So I just want to talk a little bit today. I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds in other areas, but I definitely want to talk about the betrayal side of it because it's it's common. It happens with quite a few things and that betrayal or that feeling of betrayal is the most common trigger to a loss of trust in the workplace and understand that there's really kind of those two types in the workplace there's the major and the minor there's the intentional and the unintentional Um, the minor betrayals consist of things like gossiping that backbiting taking credit for work that wasn't that was somebody else's uh, lack of participation uh, and you know, really critical evaluations of one another. The major betrayals are things like layoffs and terminations, uh, poorly conducted investigations, actions taken with closed communication, making false commitments, delegating without having any authority, uh, an increased and consistent stream of critical evaluation, uh, perceived unjust adverse employment action, disclosing confidential information, stealing from the company, lying, and of course the big one, sabotage, right? So every company goes through a, a cycle, a business cycle, right? And through those business cycles, you certainly have your peaks and valleys, just like life. And it's not uncommon that when a company faces some sort of valley in its life cycle, that you as an HR pro feel a sense of responsibility to some degree, right? If you do, totally normal. Or you feel like it's writing that call to action button and Sometimes you're not 100% sure what you can do, should do, but you know what, it's all good. It's totally normal. If you're not feeling it, then I would question, you know, what's going on. If you're feeling it, that's great. That that means that you've got a certain level of caring in the workplace. And you know what, after all, look, you're in the human business. We're in the human business. We have human in our title, right? That means that we've got some form of investment into making sure that we're doing what we can to ensure that the workplace is, you know, engaged and effective and happy and moving forward. But what I can tell you right now is that if you feel that you failed or if you're feeling like you're letting some of your people down, that's perfectly normal. Again, it comes back to that 
you know, feeling a compassion, recognizing that you're in the people industry. And, but it's what you do next that actually makes the difference. Okay. So when you're going to have, when you're running into this and that you, you're in this downward slide into a valley, all right, you're going to have some really hard days. You, you, it, it just as part of the life cycle of an organization or a business cycle, you're going to be facing potential layoffs. You're going to have high levels of turnover. You're going to see an increase in performance management issues. That's completely normal when a, an organization is, is going through a valley, not necessarily during a peak, but definitely during a valley. You're going to be exposed to really hard decisions that leaders have to make in order to ensure that doors remain open. So, you know, let's say if an organization is having a backslide on revenue, right, and it's a couple of months, two out of the three months of a quarter, revenues are down, well, that's going to impact the viability of an organization as they move into the next quarter, sometimes even the next week or the next month. And you may wind up as an organization or the organization having to make some pretty tough decisions as to what they need to do, especially if it goes on for a long period of time. Um, so that's, you know, that's going to be a real test of character right there. So even during those hard times, as an HR pro, you really should always be focused in on building goodwill at any stage of the company's existence. All right? this, is, this has to be a cognizant effort. It has to be not something that you should put just as a banner with a few select actions. It's a daily and sometimes hourly effort that needs to take place. You know, there are things that you can do as an organization. Have conversations with your employees. When there's a downside of something, have a discussion with your employees. Be upfront about that kind of stuff, right? Hold a company meeting or communicate and discuss what you can about the situation and reestablish expectations for moving forward. Um, you know, be honest because if you're not, they're, they're going to see right through it. <laughs> they will look at you and just call it out. And, and they may not call it out to you, but they're definitely going to talk about it once everything is said and done. You know, if they have concerns, acknowledge their concerns and acknowledge that they may have potential concerns as well. But most importantly, understand that never, not, it, it's not every employee is going to buy into what you're saying, right? So if you guys are having, let's say, for example, you've had uh, 18 months of downslope revenue and now their organization is looking at having to do layoffs and they have conducted layoffs. And one of the best things that an organization and what leaders can do is to actually, you know, circle the wagons, bring people in after the layoffs are done, talk to them and just say, listen, we're not going to leave you out in the cold here. We're not going to have you wondering if the security and the safety of your position is we are done with layoffs. Um, we feel that the actions that we have taken have definitely allowed for us to provide the opportunity to continue to operate moving forward. And, you know, so long as we focus in on these following objectives and these things, you know, we're going to pull it together and we're going to make it out. But it's going to require your help to do it. So when organizations have those kinds of conversations, it definitely tempers people's fear. And not to mention, it will also pre prevent people from jumping ship, too, because you do need talent. You may be offloading talent, but you know what? You're probably identifying the talent that can be let go in an effort to save the talent that needs to stay on board in order for the company to get through what it needs to get through. Okay, So have those conversations with your employees. Once the company has an overall conversation about it, 
you know what, reinforce the original message by team meetings, individual team meetings and smaller department meetings. And that's a very effective thing to do, okay? It, one, when they hear from the CEO, that either, it either stops the fall of trust from happening or it levels things to out of the red zone and into more of a yellow with the intention of going into a green zone, okay? You know, ensure your managers are trained and capable of holding the kinds of meetings that you guys need and how to facilitate questions, especially making sure that they understand how to provide an appropriate response to answers that they don't have, okay? It, I've seen it so many times where a, a leader has briefed the management staff and then you've got that one person that does a hard left and then all of a sudden is you know, talking something completely different than the message that was brought down from above, all right? They're not backing it up. They're saying things that don't make sense. And it just, it, it'll completely blow everything up, at least in that one segment of the organization. Um, establish that, uh, that, you know, to prevent that, establish that managers really aren't to express their personal opinions, but the job that they need to do is to help take the temperature of the group so additional support can be distributed. And that would be, you know, allowing the employees to, you know, vent their concerns or bring their concerns forward in a format to where that manager can roll those up to, you know, could be the leadership level, could be the HR level. Um, so that way, you know, a, a plan of attack can be put into place so that way those concerns can get effectively um, addressed. If they wind up, you know, again, voicing or they, they start rallying with the employees or they start talking about what they think about it and what their personal opinion is and they start doling out advice, well, that may not necessarily be in line with the overall effort, which means that that manager hasn't bought in to what needs to happen and now you've got a bigger problem to solve. Um, you know, go ahead and, if you can, distribute additional types of resources for support. If that means that you have to shift your budget around a little bit um, to make sure that certain departments have what they need in order to do the job, great. If it's one of those moments where you have to rein budgets in, you know what? <clears throat> get, get employees involved. This is one of the things I love doing. I've mentioned it before in the past. But get employees involved. If you're in a position where you have to cut costs, put a waste reduction initiative out there. Ask your employees to submit ideas on how a company can actually reduce waste because you'll be amazed at how much money you actually save in doing so. Usually wind up getting some pretty good ideas out of that too. Um, and then finally, make sure that your managers are reporting back to HR any potential concerns or issues that an employee may have so HR can certainly address them as well. Now, in what we do as a HR professional, there are going to be those days where you are battling the very same leadership that you have to support. And those makes those are some real character building moments in your career. Um, leadership, they're just as human as the rest of us. <clears throat> and sometimes leaders don't always listen. Okay, This has got to be the most challenging feeling and experience that any, any workplace professional or manager or internal leader is faced with, but it's especially, I would say, especially frustrating for the HR professional because we are super committed to supporting the established business objectives. 
And what is probably the most frustrating is when you're presenting an idea or a suggestion or recommendations and your leaders are either disregarding the risks or the implications to what we're talking about or they just really don't feel that the situation is of concern where what we're voicing, that they feel those risks are as high and we know the difference, right? So, you know, I've run into it myself and I think some of the things that are the most frustrating for me is when there is a workplace trust issue and I bring forward my observations from one of the things that when I'm when I'm in the HR seat and I own the HR solution for the company, um, I'm very dedicated to being accessible. I walk around, I, get, I talk to people, you know, they see me, I'm, I make sure that I'm approachable. And in doing so, I learn a lot about what's going on in the workplace, both things that make sense and things that don't make sense. Um, I see how people are being and how they're behaving. I, I get to hear all the things that they're really proud of doing. Um, you know, I see all the shenanigans that are out there. Some of them are actually quite funny. Um, but, you know, when they view you as a, a real person and not just, you know, the evil HR person or the evil HR lady, then, you know, you tend to see things for as they are. And when there's been observations that I've brought forward and they've been immediately shut down or disregarded, when I know them to be either true or pure in what the observations are, that's personally very frustrating for me. But all I have to do is just sit back and wait for a very short period of time because the things tend to move forward. So, um, you know, you managing through those things is very tough. And so when you come from a place of authenticity, it's, it's easier to manage through. Uh, and when you come from a place of, okay, so I pitched this and I got rejected, all I need to do now is just slightly fall into the background, and this is exactly how I handle this. I slightly fall into the background on this particular issue. I come up with a plan, kind of like a baseline plan, because I know the situation is going to rear its head, and when it does, I'm just simply going to be ready for it. And, you know, I'm not going to hold judgment against anybody. I'm not going to sit there and go, told you so, right? And because inside I really want to sometimes. But, you know what? That's that leader's decision. I may not necessarily support it, but that doesn't mean that I have to launch World War III against it either. So that's me, how I get through those things. I'm just prepared to put, get back into the game again and get back into the action. And you know what? Be part of the problem, not be part of the problem, but be part of the solution on how do we prevent it from happening for forward. All right. And not to mention, you also don't want to make the leader feel bad about making a mistake because they're human too. Like we're in the human business, right? So all I do is just basically when I'm shut down, I just go into reserve, right? If it starts happening a lot to the point where it's so consistent that I recognize that my contributions aren't being appreciated anymore or utilized or recognized of value, then it's time to either have a conversation about it. Um, if it's that prolific after a conversation, then that's usually when I start making, uh, I start opening my eyes to what other opportunities are. But nonetheless, in my role in my past, I haven't had to move forward with those too often, simply because, 
you know, some workplace issue comes up and then I get to come in and fix it and everything's back to normal again. So that's just kind of how it works. So some of the things that I talked about that I do, um, I'll just kind of go over a couple of them. So first off, when, when I'm feeling those moments where, again, I'm just being shut down, I, I don't shut down. I actually take very proactive position. And one of the things that I do is that I keep my eye focused on the job. All right, there's still a job to be done, even though what I'm trying to get accomplished isn't going to happen. I still have a very large portion of a job to continue doing. So I make sure that I, I stay focused. Um, I strengthen my resolve through my professionalism. And again, I'm not talking about doing the I told you so moments. I'm not talking about trying to make somebody wrong. What I'm talking about is actually just staying vigilant, staying prepared, staying ready, and then when it comes back to me that the help is then needed or required, I simply step right across that threshold and I engage just as I would have done however long ago when it first came up. Um, I keep myself in check because I need to remain approachable, even if my employees see that I'm on the ropes. And there's been times when I have been on the ropes, and I, there have been times where, you know, I've, I've talked about here's a potential solution, here's what we need to be, you know, remindful of, and leadership has done a hard left, or they don't necessarily, you know, what I'm presenting or what I'm providing them as an opportunity to move the needle in a different direction isn't taken, and so therefore I get pressure back in return. That's an easy thing for anybody to see. And so when I'm on the rope, I always make sure that I'm approachable. If I'm having a rough day, my employees, even though people who know me well know that they see it in my face and I'm going through something, but what they know is that they don't know that it's them or they will never make it. I will never make them feel that it's them, right? I always make sure that no matter what's going on, even though I'm having a rough time, they can still come and talk to me regardless. Um, the other thing too is I keep my integrity in check, even though I may be executing a very tough company decision. One thing that I have been uh, very committed to is that I will never execute a decision that impedes my own individual integrity. I will not lie and I will not knowingly make unlawful decisions or execute on those kinds of actions, nor will I be deceptive to my team. I just am not going to do that. There has been only one time, and I've mentioned it in the show, to where I actually did lie to my team, and that was after we terminated an employee who was perceived as a potential threat. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I had that conversation with, I don't know if it was Jim or not, but I remember, I remember having the conversation on the show, and the only time that I had not been honest is when we had a manager's meeting and they had asked me if I thought this individual was a threat. And I said no. When in fact at the time I actually felt he may have been. And the only reason why I said no was to ensure that managers continued focusing on the work that needed to be done and not focusing on the fear of him potentially coming back while I worked with the security team to ensure everybody's protection on site. And, and I knew that managers would not have their eyes on the mission at hand and in that particular environment where safety is everything. And I didn't want anybody getting hurt because they were more afraid and focused on an external force rather than the more hazardous environment that they were working in. So that was, that was the one time where not being completely upfront with how I felt or what my perceptions were was to make sure that it went... The, the, our world went back to normal 
and it was business as usual. Keep keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a good job. And, you know, leadership knew it as I talked to them about it. And I said, we need to make sure that they're not focused on the wrong thing. Because if they're focused on the wrong thing, then people are going to get hurt, and we don't want that either. We've got a plan in place to make sure that people aren't hurt from this other individual and that's what we need to focus in on. We need to let them focus in on doing their job. And it worked out. On all fronts, actually. Um, another thing that you guys can do, make sure that you guys are supporting leaders when they have executed a poor and undesirable decision. Because they are going to need your support. And I've talked about that a little bit more. right? And I said, look, don't do the I told you thing. Be humble about it. Don't hold it over their head. Okay? You're not going to do yourself any favors when you consistently call out a leader's mistake. You just, you just aren't, all right? If they make a mistake, if they own up to it, be humble about it and remind them that you're here to support them. Okay, listen, I'm, okay, great. We got a mistake. Let's fix it. You know, what do we, what do we need to do? Here's what I recommend doing, okay? Consult them. That's your role. Help them facilitate a good decision in light of making a poor one, all right? Be honest and provide them upfront feedback. Don't, there may be times where you feel like you're hesitant on, being honest and upfront with them because they're wrangling with, you know, their mistake. You know what? There's nothing wrong with providing them upfront and honest feedback, but I would do it in a way that doesn't make them wrong or doesn't make them feel like you're making them wrong for making a mistake. God knows we all make them, right? Leaders make them too, all right? The other thing is, you know, be trustworthy, you know. Again, if you say you're going to do something, continue to do it. Be prepared for any angle so that you can address them as they come up. And, you know, that's what ultimately we, you know, are that we're trained to do, that we're working on building. Those of you who haven't had as much of a rich HR experience, you know, you're in training to do those kinds of things, to be prepared, to understand how you can do certain things, um, what works, what doesn't work. And, but, you know, the the more prepared you are, the better you are able to stay fluid and address it. And, you know, you're going to learn new, new things with every single situation that comes up, okay? Be vigilant for the future, all right? And that can be for a number of reasons. You know, be mindful that there's going to be probably another future bad decision uh, at some point in time. There's going to be additional loss of confidence somewhere along the way. There could be perceived threats um, of you for future events. You know, look, leaders' egos can be funny, and this is really what I'm talking about is be vigilant that the leader could make another mistake. And how do you prepare yourself to handle it? Well, the way you do that is by learning about what you just got done going through with when they do make a mistake. Um, but, again, you're also dealing with somebody's ego. And that, that happens in leadership. Not every leader uh, is neutral when it comes to that. They're not all humble. There's a lot of different ego that's involved, okay? A lot of different personalities out there. And remember that even if employees lose trust in leadership, they still trust HR. But when HR stakes starts making perceived bad decisions, then you're going to be lumped into that no-trust bucket. So remember when I told you earlier is that I focus in on me and I make sure that my professionalism, you know, people in HR, you know, we're expected to perform at the, like, flawlessly, you know. Employees expect us to operate beyond reproach, not only at work, but also personally as well. 
And, you know, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have a funny sense of humor. I don't mind adult jokes. I don't mind jokes in poor taste sometimes. Kind of depends. I do have my own boundaries. But you know what? I don't bring that into the workplace. And as a result, I don't invite my coworkers into my social media where that stuff has a tendency to show up. Not the stuff that I post, but the things that I find funny that from my friends and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I keep my borders uh, my, my personal life is my personal life, and there are certain things that I will share about my personal life, but that's about it, you know, because, again, I want to I remain approachable. But at the same time, remembering that I am an HR pro, that I do have people that look at me in a different way because I am the enforcer. I am the person that, you know, has to help set policy and then ensure that it's executed appropriately. And you can't, you can't have a double standard. And so that's why people tend to look at you about operating beyond reproach. Okay. When you're faced with a, a situation where you, there's a lack of trust in the workplace, you've got to address things for yourself as well as, an, as the individual. Okay. And as an individual, it really is going to be all about how you show up and respond day in and day out. Okay, we just got done talking about how people have a perception of us operating beyond reproach. Well, that can get reinforced or it could be pummeled depending upon how you show up and respond to things. Figure out what you can learn from every situation and apply it to the next time. So if you're faced with um, conflicts in the workplace to where it's involving an individual that has a lack of trust around the company about the leadership, everything that they say, that they tell, that they heard, that, you know, somebody's told them that somebody else does, you know, take a moment to, to step back and, and look at that. Sometimes it's there are things that we could have done to prevent us going down that road or maybe prolonged it because we've got an individual that has that kind of personality that is cynical, may not necessarily be trusting. And, you know, that's a tough personality to beat. And, and we're not here to beat personalities. We're here to work with each other. But, you know, it all comes down to the person and what their worldview is all about. Okay. Do what you can to prevent those betrayals or the perception of betrayals from actually happening in the future. You know, if you're starting to get feedback of about a manager who's starting to flare up, obviously we're going to want to, you know, investigate it, figure it out, and, and resolve it, okay? But here's something that's key. This is probably the biggest thing that you guys can do that will absolutely maintain trust around you as a professional, okay? There's two. <laughs> this is the first big one. When you make a commitment, follow through on it. If you say you're going to do something, you better damn well finish up, follow up with it and do it, okay? Failing to follow through on a commitment that you made to somebody who's counting on you is the first thing that will erode trust, guaranteed. The second thing, and it is one of the biggest mistakes I see all the time, is failing to communicate well, all right? The most common mistake is failing to communicate well. And I see this failure um, when people don't, they put their communication issues on somebody else's shoulder, right? It always blows my mind when somebody tells me that the other person should have assumed your intentions or their intentions or, 
you know, you had this light conversation about something and you never wa- you never left the conversation checking in with that person to make sure that they understood what it was that you were communicating and that you have this assumption, it's like, well, I told this person this. Well, yeah, you know, those things do happen. But, you know, when there's an, an email that's very vague or a text message that's very vague and the person is just kind of left there standing, you can gain the upper hand by really making sure that you clearly communicate with that person and you confirm that that person fully understood what it was that you were trying to do. I was on the phone uh, this morning with uh, somebody that I, actually one of my clients, and she had a meeting, and she was telling me, she goes, yeah, I I totally forgot that I had this meeting today, um, but you know what, I never saw the, the calendar invite from it. And the other person that showed up for the meeting was pretty ticked off and kind of sent a a snarky message. And, you know, that's fine. That kind of thing happens and whatever. And um, But, you know, when she said, I I never got a a calendar invite, one of the questions was, well, did it land in your spam? And this person is not very strong with computers. And so, lo and behold, goes over the spam and poof, there it is. And then the other person, you know, started giving that individual kind of flack. She's like, well, I didn't hear from you, so I just assumed everything was fine. So there's a breakdown, right? (laughs) And clearly they're butting heads. So, you know, that's not an employee-to-employer relationship. But something as simple as, hey, listen, I never got your, um, your thumbs up on the calendar invite I sent. Just wanted to follow up and make sure that we were set to go something very simple right or if you're waiting for something back from an employee unfortunately we all know what it's like to have to chase somebody down but you know I I gotta tell you I went through a very difficult open enrollment because I had one person that was not reading the instructions and I as many times as I reviewed what needed to be done reviewed and confirmed what the person wanted to enroll in there was still gaps in this individual's understanding and I'm sitting here thinking what more could I have done and every time I look and I ask that question what more could I have done I may have found one or two things that I can improve on but you know what it led me down a process of figuring out what I could do to go ahead and actually improve the open enrollment process as a whole so that way I don't have to deal with that with that one person or anybody else okay so it that's what blows my mind is when somebody tells me that the other person should have assumed intentions and it's wrong okay there's no well that person should have it's like you know what own it I'm sorry but own it and you know sometimes it is you sometimes it isn't you and you know what if you own it regardless you you're then you're taking responsibility for your side of it and you can learn from it and you can do something to maybe make it better in the next time I think that's the difference right there is that trust comes from people when you make a mistake they see that you're still trying to do better and when people see that they are less likely to not trust you and more likely to continue to invest trust in you okay I can't believe I said that clearly without stepping over my own tongue I'm actually really proud of myself for that because I almost didn't do it right all right um, It's something that when you are taking your responsibility for your communication, it's one thing that people see, all right? Communication is something that we always need to improve on, even when you know or you believe that you're good at it. I'm pretty good at communicating with people, but you know what? There are still things that I can do to improve, all right? 
All right, so make sure that not only are you working at your communication, that you maintain communication back and forth. If you can't meet a deadline or a commitment or you're running into some form of interference, follow up with the person. Just say, hey, listen, just want to give you a quick heads up. I'm still working on this. Haven't forgotten about you. I'm hoping to have X, Y, and Z done, blah, blah, blah. You will gain huge trust points by doing something like that because your audience does not feel like they're being left out in the cold. Okay, here's another, here's another one. Never make the assumption that communication is not important to somebody that you've made a commitment to or that they'll be okay if you don't respond or you, you're doing it on your timeline because the truth is that they won't and it completely tarnishes your reputation with that one individual. Okay, once you get a stain on your reputation, it takes a long time to get that stain removed and it may not always be there. You're probably going to have a light little shadow around it. Okay. Be straight, keep your plate clean, okay? That's some of the best things that you can do. Withholding critical information to those who need to know, bad, 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 okay? Also erodes trust. Um, deliberately deceiving people, we've kind of talked about that earlier. Failing to follow up or failing to own up to your own actions, again, bad, bad, bad. And then worst off, failing to ask, excuse me, failing to act. And if it all falls apart, then remember, you're at a place where you can rebuild, right? The very little in, in what we do as human beings and in HR that can't be fixed. You may not have the reputation or you may not have the relationship you fully want and that you fully desire. It's certainly not going to come easy. But the more you work at it, these things and all of these things that we're talking about, this is how you work to build trust when the organization or even just you in your position has had a critical workplace event to where trust is a hot commodity that comes at a very high price. Today I'd like to give a couple shout outs to some folks that have provided some awesome feedback on the podcast. Um, Vernell, Doug, and Tanya, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your great feedback. And really, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, looking forward to getting to know you guys over in the community site. Very exciting stuff. All right, so you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website. I'd love to hear your questions. And by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of the page is a submission form where you can post your question, which I may be reading on an upcoming episode. So today's question is, an employee I terminated has left me a sealed envelope titled, quote unquote, now I can tell you what I really think, end quote. <laughs> Those are scary. Um, should I just shred it without opening it, or is there something to be gained by actually reading it? So here's the deal. Years ago, I was doing a file audit with a, with a client, and they had something very similar. And on the front of the envelope, it said confidential. And it was still sealed. And this was, a, this was an employee that left the organization. And I asked them, I said, does anybody know what this is about? And they said, no, we didn't know what it was, so we just stuck it in the employee's file. I went, holy cow, we need to open this up and figure out what it is. Well, when we did open it up and read the, and read the letter and the contents of it, it was a full-on accusation of sexual harassment from a manager that still was with the company. And I looked at the, the person that was doing the, the HR stuff at the time, and there, she wasn't an HR person. She was an admin, and, 
you know, she was really honestly the one to just make sure that things got filed. Um, and, and she didn't know what to do with this. And she, you know, talked to me about the day that she remembers she got it. She didn't know how to handle it. So she just stuck it in the file. And I explained to her very nicely because I didn't want her to feel really bad about it. But when you have an employee that hands you an envelope, that sealed, that says confidential, here, please put this in my file, this is evidence against the company. Typically, that's what it is. These things are never good. Nobody ever leaves a company with a sealed envelope that says, now I should just really can actually tell you what I think. That's, there's nothing good about that, right? And it does happen. So when somebody gives you a sealed envelope, they're giving you something that, that more than likely you have to legally respond to. And in a case like this, the company had this individual, had the employee proceeded to file some form of claim against the organization, filed a complaint, called them into the Department of Justice, or if there was an internal issue to where it continued and nobody had done anything about it or it came to light, then you know what? That's evidentiary support. So when files are called into court cases, you can't destroy anything that's in a file once it's been subpoenaed. And if there's something in an envelope that has never been opened and it now gets called into action or called into effect, there's nothing that you can do about it, right? So if any employee gives you guys an envelope and you don't know what's in it. You got to make sure that you open it up and read it. And if there's something pretty damning in it, then you guys have to you have to address it. Um, some people have you know looked at things like that and they don't buy into it and they're like, oh, this is just somebody's leaving the company and they're just you know ticked off and they're venting. But you know what? There could be some truth behind it. And we live in a world where you know what? There's two sides of every story, and somewhere the truth lies somewhere in between. Right? It's not always fully fabricated. So it's just sometimes the truth can slide to the left or it can slide to the right. So if you guys ever get that, make sure that you certainly open it up. You don't destroy it, that you take a look at what's inside of it uh, because it's very likely that the employee has maintained a copy of it. And matter of fact, oddly enough, um, it just happened to today. Um, I got an email, and I won't disclose the name of the organization, but there is a watchdog unit out there that through the uh, through FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, is now circulating emails um, targeting a specific employer for um, some pretty bad actions that I'm not 100% convinced are actually true in and of itself. I think there's probably some truth to it, but um, since I'm not on the inside, I'm not speculating, I'm not making any any decisions or I'm not making any impressions in my head but what I do know is that usually when stuff like this gets circulated something's up so when there's smoke there's fire so when you have things like that you definitely have to make sure that you address them so those are some pretty hard things to go through especially if you're an individual that's really kind of walking the tightrope of HR and you don't necessarily know what to do and it's you're not really an HR person to full capacity well we got some really cool things that are taking place. And something that I'm well aware of is how awesome and exciting this field of human resources can be. And it really is. Okay, It's a rewarding career that really is full of never-ending challenges. And you know, at the end of it all, it really is meaningful work, which is why I was so attracted to this industry in the beginning. But I'm also aware of its challenges and the limitations. And one of them 
especially is being an HR army of one. Let me tell you, it's hard. It really is hard. And I and I've I've, I've said it's hard several times in this episode. Um, maybe that's just because I'm having all these conversations with people and you know just kind of coming to the realities of some things. But I do know what it feels like to do this job as a beginner to an expert. I know what it's like to try and find the answer in a sea of information. And when you do find the answer, you still have doubts as to whether you have all the information or are you even correct. It can be very isolating uh, field to work in and because there's really only so many people that you can talk to. This past week, this week, which is totally awesome, I launched a new online community for those of you who are in the HR field. And this community is open to those of you who are established as HR champions and to those who are aspiring to become one. And I was traveling a few months ago and found my inspiration to contribute to Women in Human Resources. And I'm on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of 1 million employees in the workplace. Now, the doors are officially open to the Next Gen Women in HR site. This is a great place where women can come and connect. We can share resources. We can go deep to learn how to perform the HR function with tools and current resources. Most importantly, this is a place where you get support. Now, you can join us by visiting the bestpractices.org site and click on the Next Gen Women in HR link above and register. 2020 is the time to get very clear and focused on you and your future in this industry because the decade is going to produce and continually present new challenges, a lot like some of the ones that I've been talking about on the show and other shows. So launch with me on the Facebook group. That is up now, okay, the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, and you can get, again, support and connectivity that you need for the future. So there's two places to connect. The first one is you want to start with the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, and if you want to go deeper, you really want to go deeper. You want to work on you. You want to get access to tools. You want to get access to resources. You want a place where you can ask for help, find a mentor, mentor somebody, participate in networking events, and connect one-on-one -on -one with other HR champions. Then join the Next Gen Women in HR site at bestpractices.org. So we got two places. Now if you're driving and you're running around uh, taking care of kids or you're on your commute or you just, you're cooking and you just don't have the ability to write all this stuff down, don't worry about it, okay? Shoot me a message on any one of my social sites and I'll be happy to go ahead and direct you. Or you can click the, con the connect link at the top of the page of the bestpractices.org website and I'll get you the information you need. And yes, we like our HR guys too, so come on in. And believe it or not, we have our first male in the group already. And this new, um, this new community, literally today, is only three days old. So we've got people jumping in. It's exciting. We're already engaged. We've already done the first case study. It's fantastic. It's fabulous, all right? So major co topic of conversation that took place this week via Facebook Live. I presented a case study on Starbucks and what takeaways that can be employed in your own HR efforts. And those are the things that you're going to find in the best practices site. The case study is on the Facebook group and in the site is where you go deeper to where you can work on yourself. Okay. I invite all of you to join and become part of the conversation and find your focus for 2020. Get inspired, right? Because inspiration creates motivation that demands action to be realized. 
and you'll see me there every day. And I really cannot wait to connect with you all. I'm thoroughly enjoying connecting with everybody that's in there right now. I think this, I'm meeting some pretty awesome people just in a very short period of time. We had people jumping into the Facebook group even before the launch last week. It's just been great. So take your experience deeper by joining the Next Gen Women in HR site at bestpractices.org. Like I said, this is where you get to go deeper into your experience with a dedicated community to learn, grow, develop, connect with others who want to do the same thing with you, access tools to help you perform this role. This also includes these news articles and these shout-outs that I give changes across the news changes across the country. You can go now into the Best Practice site and actually read up on those things firsthand to see exactly what it is I'm talking about. Now, I also mentioned earlier in this episode that you can read these announcements, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, and I also include other ones. Now, the links to these articles are part of the Next Gen Women in HR site, okay, not the Facebook site. And all of this information I update on a weekly basis when I get it in, comes in from multiple different avenues, and I just consolidate it. It's helped what keeps me to stay current in this profession as an HR pro, and it will absolutely do the same thing for you. So I look forward to connecting with you and cannot wait to have you be part of this tribe. You can also connect with me on the different socials that I have. So you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can hook up with me over on LinkedIn, and that's just simply by putting in my name, Brenda. My last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And then again, the website is bestpractices.org. Click connect at the top of the page, and you can get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So folks, this has been another awesome episode. Thank you again for joining me. I'm super excited to see everybody in the community, both on the Facebook group and in the Next Gen Women in HR site. It's awesome. We're we're well on our way. And uh, I just can't wait to see you guys in there. Y'all have a really great rest of your day, and I will talk to you next week.